All right, if you have your Bible tonight, turn, if you would, to 1 John chapter number 4. We uh, began last week this ideal of a of understanding life. And in the middle of it, we said this last week, in the middle of this chapter, there is a series. And um, I'm just trying to understand, I'm probably the, the greatest misconception of our day is understanding love. If I were to ask through tonight, go around the room and have you to define your ideal of love, we, we would get as many different answers as our people here. But yet the Bible is so very clear in helping us to understand what love is all about. And so we started with part one last week. Tonight we'll go with part two. And uh, you'll notice, if you got the notes underneath it, I'll put Heaven's Christmas Gift. And truly, we do have Heaven's Christmas Gift if you're saved tonight by the grace of God. Amen? If you have your place, stand together and let's read a few verses. First John chapter 4, verse 9. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us. And sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelt in us, and His love is perfected in us. Let's go to the throne of grace one more time and ask the Lord to help us. Eddie, how about you praying? Amen. You'll be seated. Genuine and sincere love always has a mark of timelessness and eternity upon it. Love, when we look at it from 1 John, we realize that it has an eternal source and is marked by an eternal one. And I say amen to that. Last week we looked and said that love is the outcome of personal, productive, and a proven relationship with God. Said this last week and I'll say it again. No one, no one can truly love apart from knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You say, but I can't. No, you can't. It's an impossibility. Because without Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, all of our love is, is, is based on this way, what's around us, how we're treated, what somebody does, what somebody gives us. And that's, that's, your level just goes earth high. Amen? 
But when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our love goes to a whole different level. And so we truly never understand what genuine love is apart from a relationship with God. Verses 9 through 12, we see how he begins to expand this ideal that we started with last week. This relationship with God. Then in verses 9 through 12, he begins to expand it by giving us an example of what love is and what love should look like. He gives us, if you will, a model of how we're to love one another. One of the greatest theologians that ever lived was a man by the name of Karl Barth. And uh, he was a, a guest lecturer at University of Chicago's Divinity School. And at the end of his lecture, the president announced, you know, Dr. Barth's not well. And so, well, instead of having uh, a whole bunch of questions asked to him, we're going to ask him just one. And here was the question. Of all the theological insights you have ever had, which is the one you consider to be the greatest of them all? Students have pencil and pad ready to write down this, this uh, great insight of this theologian. The professor closed his eyes, thought for a minute, smiled, and said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Amen. We find, first of all, when we think about this ideal of love, first of all, we see a manifestation of love. The word manifestation means this, to render apparent has the ideal of being seen, being seen. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Has the idea, and, and, and not only that, notice in verse number nine, he says, he says, only begotten son. Only begotten means unique, one of a kind. So not only is it a manifestation, something that's made apparent and something that is seen. But don't miss this. It's something that's one of a kind, unique. Nothing, there's never been another one just like this one. Because it's only begotten of God. So, not only that, but John 3, 16 said, For God so loved, 1 John 4, 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, that manifestation has the ideal of not just that God loves you, but He so loves you. It's more than just saying, I love you. We throw that word around an awful lot. And, uh, you know, I love you, I love you, I love you. But the truth of the matter is, God comes on, for God so loved you. It puts uh, the ideal being of His greatness. So in this manifestation... Of love. May I say, first of all, love always has to have an object. You can't love without an object of love. Who is object? Verse 9. And this was the manifest, manifested the love of God toward us. 
God's love had an object. And my dear friend, tonight, the object was you. And the object was me. When I say I love you, there's got to be an object, a wife, a husband, a child, a friend, a brother, a sister, a family, a, a friend. It's got to be, it's got to be an object. Love has always got to have an object to it to be manifested. The Bible says that God manifested His love towards us. We are the object of His love. Not only that, but love has to have an objective. Notice what He said. That we might live through Him. The word live is the same word that's found in Ephesians 2, 1. You have to quickened. The word quickened means to make alive. And who were dead in trespasses and sin. So, here's what God's saying. God's saying, I manifested my love towards you that I might make dead people live. That I might take that which is dead in trespasses and sin and give it life. That's what he's saying. My, what a blessing that is. And this objective is not just for himself, but it was for another. And that's what reaching loving one another is all about. It is, it is an objective of, of reaching out and saying, Hey, God loves you. Jesus loves you. And he loves you so much that if you're dead in your trespasses in your sin, he'll give you life. Let me challenge you. While you're with your family this year, and in a few days Christmas is going to show up, are they saved? Do they know Christ? Are they, do, they, do they live? You understand those that know not Christ are not really living. You say, but you don't know. They, they, they got a good job. They got, they got this. They got this. If they don't know Jesus, they're not living. They're dead in their trespasses and in their sins. And you have the life. And that is to share with them that Jesus loves them. One of the things that the Bible says, the goodness of God leadeth me into repentance. We have this idea, and for years I've, I've thought it myself, that God's judgment leads people to repentance. But the Bible says God's, God, the, the goodness of God leads men to repentance. In the midst of God, regardless of what comes a circumstance in your life, if you can see the good in that, it'll lead to repentance. But if you look at it as being judgment, it won't. The goodness of God leadeth men to repentance. I, I, I was just so thankful. Barry was telling me about his deer hunting trip the other day. And uh, did choose to use a gun. He chose to use his car. But I like this. $6,200 damage. But here's what he said. He said, but I thank God we didn't get hurt. Amen. Isn't that a blessing? Praise God. So we find here, and, and don't miss this. Everybody in this world wants to be loved. There was a, um, a, uh, a test performed 
And it, it, was, it was done kind of by accident. A lady by the name of Renee Spitz, she wrote this article called The Absence of Parental Affection. In a South American orphanage, there was 97 children, three months to three years old. Because of a lack of funds and hiring people to help, the best the nurses could do was change their diapers and feed and bathe them. That's it. They never helped them. They never touched them. They never talked to them. They never cuddled them. At three months old, signs of abnormality showed up. A loss of appetite. Didn't sleep good. Five months, serious deterioration set in. Doctors and nurses would pick them up. They would literally scream. Twenty-seven died in the first year. And they determined not from a lack of food or health care. They died from a lack of touch and emotional nurture. Only 21 of the 97 survived, and they suffered great psychological damage. You know why? Because everyone needs to be loved and shown love. When the Lord said love one another, it's more than a command to obey. It's more than just something you do out of, out of repetition. God said it's something we ought to practice. We ought to practice with our life. Number two, so first of all, it's a manifestation of love. Number two, a measure of love. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. That word propitiation means this. The removal of wrath by an offering of a gift. One definition is making an atonement for sin. That word atonement is this. Man is a sinner and cannot atone for himself. Therefore, it was the love of the Father that sent Jesus to die in our place for our sins. Because of the atonement, our fellowship with God is restored. Sin separated us from God. But Jesus come, took the hand of God, took the hand of the church, and brings us back together. Literally, taking on our wrath. My, what a blessing that is. But notice... Who took the initial step? When it comes to God loving us and us loving God, who took the first step? That's a question. Let me read again. Hummies awake. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. Who took the first step? He did. He did. He did. There was nothing. We love Him because He first loved us, 1 John 4, 19. The initial step was taken by God. Now, this is going to get interesting because God said... The measure of our love, that if we love one another, is that we don't wait for them 
to take the first step. We take the first step. Man, that's a that's a kicker for some, isn't it? Because he made the initial step. He loved us before we ever loved him. While we was a cussing him, while we was a running, while we was a hating him, he loved us first. And now we love him because he first loved us. And when we are commanded to love one another, the measure of that is, do you love them first? That means, well, I mean, how many times I've heard this? You know, well, I just tell you, preacher, nobody wants to shake my hand. That really says more about the person saying that now, church ought to be friendly and shake hands, but it really says more about that person because why wait? You go shake hands. The way you get people to, you say, well, nobody wants to shake my hand. That's the easiest thing in the world things. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Good to see you tonight. I, he does that because I'm, I'm going to hurt him. Good to see you. Good to see you. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. She, you say, but preacher, what? They don't shame. They don't wait on them. Don't wait on them. I mean, don't wait for someone else. You go do that. And you, you say, man, I just tell you, nobody wants to be my friend. Oh, why are you waiting on? You be a friend. Don't wait for them. You do it. Go. You, how you be a friend? How you doing? Hey, don't go talk to him. Be a friend. And the initial step. And you say, well, why should I do that? Because God first loved you. God first loved you. I mean, you will and I have to tell you this. I know it's going to break some of your heart. Some of you think you were lovable when you're lost. If you're lost and awesome, you still think you're lovable. You're not. You're not. Ain't nothing lovable about a lost person. Nothing lovable. Nothing that would move God to want to love us. There was nothing about us wanting God to love us. He made a choice to love us. Those of you that's been married a while, you understand that, that you love sometimes on purpose. And so, no miss this. We owed a staggering death. Because of sin, Jesus paid it. And uh, Romans 5, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not when you were good and shiny and new and, and, and shouting, praising God. Not, not when you were While you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. So God comes along. I love this. He takes dead people and makes them living people. Amen. And the greatest need we have tonight, he solved. The greatest need every person in this room has is a solution for death. We don't even like talking about the subject, do we? I went by seeing Michael on and Miss Levy on Ray's church, and, and he's, he's very, very sick. 
Now, you say, well, why is that? And it is sad. And it breaks my heart for them. But what a blessing it was to be able to say, now, Miss Libby, I sure am glad that Michael knows Jesus as his Lord, as his Savior. The greatest, the greatest solution, and, 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 and I hate to just tell you this, that death is dogging every person in this room from the youngest to the oldest. And, and the Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die. And we're all looking for that. But God comes along and says, because I so loved you, that I'll give you the solution for death. And that is life. I'm not just talking about the death of these old physical bodies. If you think that's all death is, then you're totally missed this thing. If you die lost, the Bible calls it the second death, and you'll be like the rich man in Luke uh, 16, lift up his eyes in hell, being in torment, and all he's got waiting on him is a lake of fire. And don't kid yourself, that's death that you never die from. Forever, forever, and forever. And, and so God comes along and tells us the greatest solution was that Jesus came into the world. And, with, with, and he cornered the market on death with eternal life. Amen. And he first loved us. And because he first loved me, my response should be that I love him. I, I, I don't know how weary God is. I don't know how weary God is with this. But I tell you this much, this preacher's weary with it. I'm worn out begging people to love God. Do you hear what I said? Saddest disgrace has ever been that we ought to beg people to love the God they say that saved them. What a shame and disgrace that is. We're to love even when love is not returned. The command to love one another does not have conditions. What if God had put conditions on your love? What if God had said, today he saved you, you had to have money? I'd been broke as a convict. I was broke as a convict. They, Lord, saved me. I was a little boy. I ain't, we found a quarter. We thought we'd... Well, come with to heaven. We, we, we found a quarter. That's the biggest thing ever was. Such a quarter do a lot more than what it does now. He'd get you in the swimming pool... I mean, we, 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 I broke. So, boy, if that had been a condition, had it been smart, well, I never was very smart. That wouldn't have got me there. Good looking, possible. No, no, that wouldn't have got me there either. What if? What if? He had only loved if we had first loved him. What if he waited on us to take the first step? I've met a few people in witnessing. Here's what they say. I want God to save me, but to waiting on God to give some kind of miraculous feeling. And I say, well, what if God wants you just to obey His Word? 
And Holy Ghost to God's drawing you, but it ain't the kind of feeling you think it ought to be. What are you going to do? I'm going to wait on that. I said, you might miss God. Oh, I want you to know something. God didn't place any conditions on that. But God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So love took the initial step. If you're waiting for somebody here tonight, let me help you. You're waiting. Would be a good time of year to do it. You're saying, man, I'll tell you what's the truth. If that family member would ask me to forgive them, I would. No, no, you're not biblical. God's waiting on you to forgive them whether they ask you or not. If you're waiting for somebody to say, well, if they ask me, I'll forgive them. No, no, that's not biblical. God said you're to forgive them whether they ask you or not. You make love makes the initial step. Number two, love takes sacrificial steps to be the propitiation for our sins. Real love is sacrificial love. Real love forgets self. Real love doesn't count the cost. That's three things killed about 95% of the Baptists right there. Real love is sacrificial love. Real love forgets self. I hate it, right? They'll do this, they'll do that, they'll do You don't know what love is. Real love doesn't count the cost. To love one another may mean the sacrifice of our time and our wants. Well, I was reading today, and I try to read this book once a year, and I'm in the process of reading it again. Hope to have it done before the end of the year. Ray W. Tozer, on the pursuit of God, and he made it, and I've read this. I've read this book so many times, but for some reason or another, I didn't get this chapter till today. But he's talking about the great men and women of God in days gone by. Had a receptive that they were receptive to God. They were always looking and seeking where God wanted to lead and what God wanted to do in their life and do for others. They had a a receptivity about them. And I've never seen that. I've read this book many times. And And I thought, and then he went on and said, because... They had a they had such a great love for God, they wanted all He would give them. And I thought, oh man. Then that knocks the props out of you if you think spiritual, doesn't it? Pastor introduced a great a minister that was his friend, and he said Ask him to come and share whatever he feels like sharing. An elderly 
man steps up to the pulpit. A father, his son, and a friend of his son were sailing off the Pacific coast. A fast approaching storm blocked any attempt to get back to the shore. The waves were so high that even though the father was an experienced sailor, he could not keep the boat upright and three were swept into the ocean as the boat capsized. The man at that moment made eye contact with two teenagers who for the first time seemed to be interested in what he had to say. Father grabbed the rescue line. But he had only one end to throw to one boy. Which one would he throw to? He had only seconds to make a decision. The father knew his son was a Christian and loved the Lord. He also knew that his son's friend was not. So as he made this gut-riching decision, the father yelled out, I love you, son! And he threw out the lifeline to his son's friend. By the time the father pulled the friend back to the capsized boat, the son had disappeared in the black of the night. His body was never recovered. Father knew his son, in a moment's notice, stepped into eternity with Jesus. And with all the heartbreak he had, he couldn't bear the thought of his son's friend swept into eternity without Jesus. How great is the love of God that he should do the same for us. Our Heavenly Father sacrificed his own begotten Son that we could be saved. I urge you to accept His offer to rescue and take hold of the lifeline He's thrown out to you in this service. He sat down. Within a minute, the two teenagers were at the old man's side. It's a nice story you told, but I don't think it's very realistic for a father to give his own son his life in hopes that the other boy would become a Christian. Well, the old man said, you got a point there. It's not very realistic. He said, son, I'm standing here to tell you today that that story gives me a glimpse of what it must have been like for God to give up his son for me. For you see, I was the father and your pastor was the son's friend, my son's friend. We see a manifestation of love. We see the measure of love. I, I, I think one of, the, one of the worst things we're doing with the next generation is this. Is nobody's teaching them what genuine love is all about. They go into marriage and relationships. And to be honest with you, I think it's more lust than it is love. And I have no idea. 
So the moment they get mad or, 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 or fall apart, they splinter. That's not genuine love. Genuine love is there in the good times and the bad times. Genuine love is on the top side and on the bottom side. Genuine love is what gives you 50, 60 years in marriage. Amen. Not only do we see a manifestation of love and the measure of love, but we see the maturity of love. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. Now hold it. And His love is perfected. The word perfected there means not perfect. It means not we're not going for perfection. It's not what it means. It is maturing. It is growing. Perfected means to be brought to completion. It has the ideal that if we're where we ought to be, and we have trusted Jesus as our Savior, and we love Him, that love ought to always be maturing, growing, perfecting. And here is re- it is perfected or maturing. It is reflection of God in our lives. T.S. Randall wrote, Love always comes to visibility. The purely spiritual quality of love needs a body for its self-expression. How is a sinful world going to know God's love? Only one way, and that is by seeing that love in us. And at times, and I hope not, but I hope not for our church, but I've been around enough Christian folks to be honest. We are the devil's best friend. We advertise when we complain in our demeanor and how we we act that we really don't know God. We love this world. We live in this world. We, We make choices and God takes second place to everything. We tell the world He's not really real. He's just somebody I go visit on Sunday mornings when I don't have anything else to do. Our world is looking for something that's real. Gerald Horton Bath tells of a missionary in Africa and he's teaching his students about gift giving at Christmas. And Christmas morning, one of these, one of these Africans brought him a, 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 a seashell of such great beauty. It was beautiful. And he asked him, he said, he said, it come from a certain day. And, and uh, he literally took him a half a day walking there to get it and a half a day back. And he thanked him for traveling so far, bringing such a gift. And he said, long walk, part of gift. If you have trusted Jesus as, as your Lord and Savior, if you've taken heaven's greatest gift... Part of that gift is a reflection in how we, how we live each and every day. And trust me, our world is looking. Not only a reflection, but the reality of God in our lives. John, God, John talks about God dwelleth in us. And it is a force. Oh, it's a, love is a mark of a new identity. And so tonight, if, if you don't know that love, let, let me give you about, just, I'm just going to give them to you. Five just very practical things that you ought to know how that you can 
Know that love of God in your life. Number one, receive His love. Let Him love you. I know a few people, I'm sure you have as well, you build walls around your life. And you build them high. And you come out once in a while, but you quickly run back in and you won't let anybody in. You don't need anybody to know anything about you. You don't need anything about... But you know what's really sad? You don't let God in either. You never put your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and all for forgiveness and eternal life. And you'll never understand what genuine love is all about. Number two, Christians need to let God love them. We need to let God love us. There's folks here that they've never let God just love you. And He's a master at loving you. Amen? He's a master. And He does it in His own unique, wonderful, glorious way. I, I told, I told uh, Miss Libby today, and, uh, you know, she's, she's scared. And she's, she's, cry, she's, she's fearful. And she, all those things are normal. If you were there, you'd feel the same way. And I told her, I said, you know, Miss Libby, I, I, I don't know all, but I know this much. I said, if you'll let God give you this, when you need it the most, God give you a grace that you've never had to have before in your life. Never in your life. Now, I've never had to walk where she's walking. I, I still have my, my, my companion, but some of you walk there. And either one of two things. It'll either make you bitter or it'll make you better. And the way it makes you better is you let God love you. You just let God love you. My, he's got a capacity to love. Christians. Because how can you tell somebody about something that you've never known before yourself? Number three, let others love you. Boy, you better not nothing about me. So you don't want anybody to love you. I'm, I'm amazed at this. It absolutely blows my mind. People that don't want anybody to know anything about them are the same ones that struggle. You know, nobody don't care about me. They don't know. They don't know. Do you want them to read your mind? They don't know. How can others love you if they don't know what's going on in your life and what you need them to help? Let others love you. Number two, respond to Him as a person. God's not a force, He's a person. He tells you what He likes, what he likes through His Word, His Spirit in you, and through His people. And then number three, five, choose to obey Him. 
The key to everything God has is obedience. I'll tell you one more story. A little girl got some wrapping paper and she wrapped a box. And her dad, the times was hard and struggling. They were struggling so much. And he kind of fussed at her and he said, Honey, that, that's a waste. But she said, I'm, I'm wrapping you a gift. So she wrapped it in herself and stuck it under the tree. So on Sunday morning, she took the gift to him and handed it to him. And he really felt bad about kind of fussing at her. He opened it and there was nothing in it. So he, he got angry with her. He said, honey, if you're going to give somebody a gift, you both put something in it. She says, but daddy, I did. She said, I blew it full of kisses just for you. Well, the father just broke. And he grabbed her and he hugged her. He said, oh, please forgive me. What he didn't know a few weeks later, the little girl was killed in an accident. And the story goes that he set that box beside his bed. And every time he would get lonely, he would open it and take out a kiss out of it and be encouraged. You know what God's done for you? He's filled you a whole box full of kisses. And He loves you. And we, we, we look too much... We, we attach love to, well, if they would do this and do this and do this and do this, that's all conditional. The greatest love. You know, you know why? You know why those, you know why, you know why draws with all those bus kids? Let me tell you what draws with these bus kids. We went with another Saturday, me and Darlene. And they, when, when, when him and Sarah goes to the door, these best kids come out and they just, they'll grab a hold of him and just hug you with nothing, no, no expectation of anything. They just love you. That's just it. They just love you. Tonight, God wants to love you exactly in that same fashion and in that same way. All right. Where's my other patch kids at? All right. <laughs>